Hey guys, it's Allie. Welcome back to Infertile AF, the podcast. This is episode eight. My guest today is Blair, the founder of Fab Fertility, a blog and Instagram account at Fab Fertility that provides resources and aims to empower women through sharing their personal stories. Basically, Blair and I have the same goal in mind, which is to make women and men feel less alone on their infertility journeys. So Blair reached out to me via email a couple of months ago, and I knew right away that I wanted to talk to her because in the email she said, my husband and I have gone through a fuck ton of shit and our journey is far from over. So basically anybody who uses the word fuck in an introductory email to me is a kindred spirit and friend for life. So I knew I wanted to talk to her. But without giving too much away, I will tell you that Blair's story is far from over. She's currently about to start her second cycle of IVF, and she's not sure what's going to happen. It's all kind of a big question mark right now. But I just wanted to say that I'm so grateful to her for reaching out to me and for having the same end goal in mind and for becoming my friend. And it kind of reminds me of this quote that I love that I'm not even sure who originally said it, but it's that quote that says, everything's going to be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. So without further ado, this is Blair's infertility story. Hi, Blair. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for talking to me. So I just want to give a little background. So you have this amazing blog and we will talk more about that in a little bit, but it's called Fab Fertility and you've got social media and all this stuff. And you reached out to me willing to share your story, which was awesome. And the thing that I was just rereading the email and the thing that I loved was you're like, my husband and I have gone through a fuck ton of shit and our journey is far from over. And I was like, <laughs> Ooh, I want to talk to this girl. I like her. <laughs> so let's get into it. Just tell me, tell me everything. If you don't mind, you know, kind of starting at the beginning with your fertility story. I know you said you got married in September, 2017 and began trying immediately. So tell me about that. Yeah. So Let's see. Yeah, my my husband and I got married about a year and a half ago, and at the time, I was I had just turned thirty. My husband was about to turn thirty as well, and we, you know, we just knew that a family was a priority for us. We knew, you know, all a lot of our friends were already having children, and so we were, you know, it wasn't this weird foreign concept. It's not like we were going to be the first ones. We're like, we should probably get going. Like just what, what, in case something's wrong or in case it takes longer than we want, you know? Mm -hmm. So we started, I think I even got off birth control to kind of get my body in its natural cycles months prior to the wedding. And then when we went on our honeymoon, you know, we joked like, Ooh, wouldn't it be so funny if we got pregnant in Maui on our honeymoon? You know, we, started trying normally. I, I was crazy with the ovulation predictor kits. And like, if there is a way to control a process, I find a, I, I will use any tool I can to control the process. So okay. Just my personality. So I had, you know, my, my ovulation calendars down to the day. I was like a pro user of the OPKs and nothing was happening. And, you know, it wasn't super discouraging at first because 
I mean, you know, you, you read, I think all, you know, when you want to get pregnant before it, before you face any challenges, I think the only thing that is common knowledge is, oh, well, you know, you can't really go and see anybody until it's about a year if you're under 35 and and you're still not pregnant. So really that was the only piece of wisdom or advice or whatever benchmark that I had. So, but like I said, I like to control the process and I'm very impatient. So, you know, after about five, six months, I was like, you know, I don't want to wait a whole year. Like, this is just going to be frustrating for me, for him. You know, of course, he is a now, uh, at the time, a pro in ovulation predictor kits because I was, and I'm sure I was annoying the shit out of him. And you it's know. so sexy too when you've yeah, got that oh, like, yeah. star and you're like, all right, let's go. Sending him a text of the flashing smiley face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's so a new anyway. level of sexting. Yes, that's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I was like, you know, I want to go to my OB and I want to, I want to tell her that I want to be proactive with this. I don't want to wait a whole year. I mean, at that time, I'll about in a year from now, I'll be 31. She is from the classic school of thought that you need to give your body a year and her and I just weren't seeing eye to eye. So I changed OBs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I asked around for my friends, like, hey, who, who have you used? It was pretty aggressive with treatment. Who have you liked? And ended up going to some guy that I still go to today. And he said, you know, I totally hear you. You're not the only person that wants to like jumpstart this thing. So yeah. he said, the first thing we can do is, you know, uh, the first diagnostic test uh, test I would do in proactive sense is do a sperm analysis. Mm-hmm. So we, I, I convinced my husband to do that. And hard to convince or was he on board? Um, no, not really. I mean, I think at the time he thought it was unnecessary because it hadn't been very long, but I think probably just wanted to get me off his back. Yeah. <laughs> so he did it. And, uh, you know, we got a call that things were not ideal in a couple different parameters. And so, and it was to the point where the, he was like, you know, I would just recommend going straight to an RE. And he was like, I think IVF or, you know, IUI is going to be where you need to, what you need to do. Mm -hmm. So that like things to like, went from zero to 60 so quickly. All of a sudden you're on like the infertility roller coaster. Like what's happening? Yes. Like, so I go from, oh, you know, try for a year and see what happens to, okay, you're going to an infertility consult, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we went to that and you know how that is too. I mean, for everyone listening, I'm sure it it takes a while to get on their calendar, Mm -hmm. especially for those long consult appointments. So I think we had to wait two or three weeks, which seemed like forever at the time. Yeah. Especially when you have not ideal news and, you know, and you're like, we want to know what, okay, well, what does this mean? You know? So we went and met with our doctor who, you know, she's still our doctor today. We love her. And she just did a really good job of, of describing the whole process and what our odds looked like given our situation. And something else that came to light in that consult was that my, it's so random how we have these medical records, but we had a file on Will that his dad and mom had kept for years and his dad had passed away, I think a year prior. There was something in there about Will 
being born with a genetic translocation. So what that means, just real quickly for people that don't know, is it means that you're born with two chromosomes that are flip-flopped. Mm-hmm. So let's say your number one and your number 10 chromosomes perfectly flip-flopped. Well, that's great because that means you're a normal person and, and you're functioning normally and everything's great. But what that means for your fertility is it means that there's a very, very high chance that you conceive a child that has chromosomes that don't flip-flop perfectly. Okay. And what that means is one, most likely it's go- the, the um, embryo or baby would electively abort itself. So it would you'd have a miscarriage mm-hmm. because your body just senses something's not right. Or two, if you do carry to term, most likely the baby would have um, some disabilities. Okay. So we have two factors going on now. So she kind of, she said, regardless of this analysis, like IVF would be where you would have ended up eventually. Mm-hmm. And she was like, so you should be thankful that this analysis is what led you here because God knows what could have happened. Like you could have been getting pregnant and just having miscarriages over and over and wondering what's going on. So I will say being proactive did pay off in this scenario. Yeah, no, that's great. Did she give you, you said she had an analysis. Did she give you like a percentage or anything? She said, based on the numbers and all the studies, it would take us six years to get pregnant naturally. Wow. Wow. So, I mean, you know, and here I'm over here freaking out that I'm 30, 31, much less like think eight, you know, six, seven years down the road. So, so we decided from that appointment to move forward. And I was actually pretty lucky too. The day we were in the office, I think I was, I had just started my period. And so she was like, well, I mean, if, if you're, if y'all are committed to this, if y'all want to do it, I can tell you don't want to wait. We could start you today. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know. And she was like, I think I could fit you in. And I think I can do a baseline ultrasound and some blood work. And, and so basically what happened with us is the consult and the first appointment kind of all got rolled up into one. Oh, wow. Um, so yeah, it was a little overwhelming. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. But How was your husband with all of this? He was good. I mean, I think he was, uh, I mean, just the numbers were shocking to us, you know? And I think when we heard that it would take six years, I think both of us just immediately were like, well, we're doing, we're going to go forward with this. I mean, we can't, we don't want to wait six years and we don't just want one baby, you know, we want multiple children. So like, this seems like the best path to go down. But yeah, so I think when you're in it, you're, you're not, I wasn't overwhelmed until we got in the car afterwards and I was like, All right. So um, we just learned a lot. (laughs) We both just got vials and vials of blood taken. That was my first interaction with a vaginal ultrasound. (laughs) Okay. Yes. It was a good time. Oh yeah. So now it's like my old dear friend, but right. Yeah. So anyway, we got going on our cycle. So this was almost a year ago. Isn't that crazy Um, how life can just in an instant take like a total left turn and you're like, what? We were just going in for a consult and now all of a sudden we're in it. You're in it. I totally, I mean, it just came, you're like, yeah, completely changed our life immediately. It was pretty wild. Um, And so we did our retrieval. I'll just like go through like the stats of what we, what happened. Yeah, please. So we got, went in for the retrieval. We got 34 eggs. I think my body responded really well to the medication, which 
for, for just for listeners, it's good when your body can respond like that, but it's also pretty uncomfortable. Yes. <laughs> because that means that your ovaries are like super swollen. I mean, I took a picture the day before the retrieval and it legitimately looked like I was three months pregnant. Okay. Well, maybe even post more. that picture if that's okay with you. Yeah, no, totally. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I actually forgot about that part with the the swelling and the uncomfortable. Yes. Yeah, I forgot about that. And mine were like so big. She, my doctor was like, "Now you you cannot be doing any yoga. You cannot be doing." You know, she's like so worried about like uh, ovarian like torsion. You know, like twisting up. Right. So anyway, I was a great responder. We got thirty four eggs. I think 30, 31 fertilized. Um, wow. Yeah, that's then, a lot. Uh, yeah, initially, and then what we ended up with was were seventeen day five and day six blastocysts. So okay. for us, I guess I should say the reason we're going into our IVF retrieval, we knew a fresh cycle, um, a fresh transfer was out of the cards for us. One, because my ovaries were way too big and my hormone levels were way too high. Right. So um, they need everything to calm down and like settle back down and get back to normal, right? Yes, exactly. Number two is because of the translocation, not only was IVF imminent, but IVF with PGS testing was what we have to do. The PGS testing is is the uh, testing on the fi- day five and six embryos that tells you if your embryos are chromosomally normal. So that right. was so um, genetic uh, testing. Yes. So we are like, oh, and also that's another $5,000, by the way. Oh, I don't know if oh, yours yeah. was like that, but ours was. No, ours was too. Ours was, I think they said... Um, Okay, it's five five thousand yeah. dollars for the first six embryos or whatever it was. Yeah, they just slip that in the end as you're walking out the door, and you're like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> and yeah, and we had seventeen. Okay, it's so they were like, um, "So you've already prepaid for however many? Um, it's going to be five hundred dollars per extra." Mm. And we were like, "Oh my god!" You know, <laughs> like, oh, this is <laughs> yeah, we're in the deep end of this thing. But anyway, yep. so. We were thrilled, uh, obviously, that we had 17, but here's here's some numbers that the doctor shared at our consult that were going to come into play here is that she said, when you, when you have your cohort of eggs after the retrieval and you're sending them off for PGS for a translocation, the data tells us that 25% of them will be normal. So 17 okay. was great. Um, right. But we were expecting four or five okay. um, to come back normal, which imagine if I, my body hadn't responded well. And imagine if we only had four right. you know, that we were sending off. So we, we did indeed get four PGS normal. We had two boys and two girls. Did you find out the genders right away? We, we Yes, right away. Like we knew we had two and two, but what we didn't do was we didn't choose the sex okay. going into any of our transfers. Uh-huh. So we went into our first transfer in August of 2018, I guess. Right. Okay. Yeah. 2018. Didn't, didn't work. You know, that was one of the worst. I'm sorry. Did you transfer one? Oh yeah. We transferred one. So for me, because from what our doctor could tell, there's nothing, there's, were no issues with me. Our, our egg quality, our, our embryos were graded really high. Mm -hmm. So you know, most of the time when they're, when they are transferring multiple, it's either an age factor, an egg quality factor, or an embryo grade factor. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm under 35, our egg quality was good. And and our blastocysts were graded like the top 
they, they can be graded. Um, I know there's different grading systems, so I don't want to like throw one out and confuse right. anybody, but so anyway, yeah, the, the, in, in this, the research is, is telling us that if you can do that, there's more live birth, uh, success with single transfers across the board than there is transferring multiple embryos. At least that's, that's what I was told. Okay. Um, so anyway, yeah, we did one, didn't work. Mm. We went right into another one and it did work. So in September of 2018, I found out that um, the transfer was successful and mm. it was around our, it was around our birthdays where we have birthdays five days apart. And we also have celebrate our anniversary within that like couple weeks too. So we usually do so before we were married, we celebrated our birthdays doing something big, but now we have the anniversary to throw in. So we had already planned a trip to London and Paris. Mm-hmm. And so I found out that I was pregnant and went to our doctor and we said, you know, if all of our, if all of our monitoring appointments are looking good, can we go on this trip or do we need to cancel it? And she said, you know, I have no, absolutely no reason to think that you can't go on this trip. I mean, if you're, if everything's progressing and the baby's growing and, you know, and you're feeling okay and you're not just crazy nauseous, then yeah, I mean, go for it. Mm-hmm. Can we yeah. back up just a little bit and tell sure. me about, cause I love to hear like the emotional side of it too. Like, I know you wrote about this in your blog, but tell me in your own words, like how, when you found out that you were pregnant, do you remember what that oh, was God. after all of this so far? So, yes. Yeah, so I, um, I am a, definitely a person that can't wait for the beta test. So I always do the whole pee on a stick thing way too early. I mean, it's, I, I'm a, I'm a glutton for punishment, I guess. <laughs> so with the first one I had tested and it was negative, but I think I tested too early and it of course just threw my mood and I'm sure me and my husband got in an argument. And so for the second one, my husband was like, okay, can you please promise not to test? Mm-hmm. Can you just, can you wait? It's and so I, hard not to though, right? It is. Oh, it's the worst. It's like, if, you know, because I think in my mind, I was like the, the just possibility of good news, it, it just outweighs the disappointment. I don't know. It's just a weird for, and you're just all screwed up from hormones anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I, I had, it was, you know, football season here in Texas is huge. I went to my husband and I both went to the University of Texas at Austin awesome. and we had a game against USC that day um the day that I ended up testing but we had a bunch of friends in town and we had two of them staying with us and I was just so annoyed that I couldn't like partake in all of these tailgating festivities and mm-hmm. I, had all, I had my best friends in and I was fake drinking, you know, it was just like, it's exhausting. Yeah. Um, at that, at that point, at that time, I was not super open about what we were going through. Had um, you told anybody outside? Of- um, yeah. Like my, like two of my very best friends that live here that, you know, we kind of know it's go- every minute of each other's lives and mm-hmm. my family and, you know, but a, a smaller group of people, uh, I definitely wasn't blasting it out on my social media like I do now. <laughs> and so I was just like, you know what? I don't feel like I'm pregnant. I, I'm just going to take a test. And if it's negative, I'm going to have a couple beers today. Uh-huh. And that's probably fucked up, but that's kind of where my head was at. And so I took a test and it 
you know, it looked like it was negative at first and I threw it in the drawer. I was just like, Oh, fuck this. This is so annoying. Another failure, you know, and I couldn't go out and act upset because I have all these house guests. Well, anyway, something told me, Blair, go back and look a minute later. And I did. And it was positive. Whoa. Yeah. So I guess I just didn't give it a long enough time. And I literally like collapsed on the ground. I was so happy. I started like silently crying because I couldn't like just ball because all my friends are here. (laughs) And I was like, I texted my husband from the bathroom and I was like, you need to come in here. And he was like, I'm sure he was like, Oh God, what? (laughs) And I, uh, I like kind of opened the bathroom door and he walked in and I said, Oh my God, I know you told me not to test, but I did and I'm pregnant. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that you texted him from the bathroom. That's so great. <laughs> and so he was like, are you serious? And I was like, I'm serious. And I showed him and like, we hugged and it was really sweet, but you know, we couldn't really celebrate it because we weren't telling a bunch of people at the time. So yeah, that was kind of, it was interesting, right? Because we, we were so excited, but it, we, we kind of had to keep it on the down low and we had right. all these plans that we weren't going to cancel. And so, yeah, that was kind of the emotional side. We were just So no happy. beers for you that day? No, no, no beers. The whole, like, I remember I used to do like, I would open a drink or hold a drink and then like swap with my husband and he like, so nobody would know. You have like all these little tricks. Oh yeah, totally. So yeah, my, I think the tricks that I'd used that weekend was, I was like, hey everyone, I'll go buy the drinks. Okay. I'll bring them to you. Right. <laughs> so that I could get a fake vodka soda, you know. Right, right. Um, and then at one bar, my friend bought me a beer and it was nice. It was actually ideal for fake drinking because it was a dark bottle. So mm-hmm. I just went and poured it out in the bathroom and filled it up with water and just sipped it. <laughs> but yeah, stuff like that. So anyway, that that was that. And um, you know, our, our couple appointments to you know for them to make sure that the yolk sacs there and all that that went well. And then we went in around six weeks, and this was right before our trip. And um, everything looked great. We like saw and heard a heartbeat. It was just like super Mm. surreal. Like it still doesn't even, I I don't, I I don't feel like I was, I was excited in in the moment and it was made me super happy, but I feel like I I just couldn't believe it was happening, you know? So anyway, we went on our trip and um, I I was also, because the first transfer didn't work, they had introduced uh, blood thinners into my second transfer protocol because they're like, if there's any sort of blood clotting tendency that your body has, we just want to get ahead of that Mm -hmm. because your embryos are so precious because of all this testing you had to do. So I was on blood thinners, which was fun and interesting to do on an airplane and a transatlantic flight. Um, Is that an injection? Yeah. It's a, it's a um, stomach injection. Yeah. And, and I was also still doing progesterone injections. So we had to like tell the flight attendant, Hey, FYI, at some point in time, can you like, let us come get in your little, uh, area where you (laughs) get the meals ready and pull the curtains and watch out. Like how (laughs) don't let anyone come to the bathroom so we can do our shot. Really? Did they do it? Yeah, they totally did. They were so sweet. Amazing. Yeah. So, um, we had our trip. It was great. Everything, you know, I, and I, and I wasn't, I was a little tired, but I never got 
nauseous and like maybe that's uh, maybe going forward I should know that's a bad sign mm. but we came home and we actually missed her flight on the way home um, and had to come back a little bit later so we had to shift our checkup appointment around when we got home and I went we went the next day and you know she was like oh how was the trip you know it was like we were all in good spirits and then and you're feeling confident feeling, feeling confident yeah and because i mean if something was to go wrong i would have known right i mean i would have bled or something mm-hmm. but everything was fine so she is doing the ultrasound and she's like oh there's a lot of bleeding in here and i she was like do you see this like cloudy image i really can't see much because of it's all cloudy she said that's blood she was like that's not uncommon, but I can't, she was like, and I think I see the the sack and everything. And she's like, but I don't see, she, you could just tell on her face. She was mm-hmm. like, not happy. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, I just don't see that flicker, that uh, fetal pole that I'm looking for. And she's like, but it could be hiding behind. She's like, I just don't, she's like, I don't know I'm not a hundred percent sure. So she's like, I'm going to do what I know you hate Blair and make you wait. (laughs) Um, and she was like, so I want you to go home this weekend and, you know, do do, live life and come back on Monday. And hopefully some of this bleeding will, will have absorbed and gone away and cleared up and we can see. And so just my heart just sank because I'm right there in that room with you. I can picture it. I can feel it. It's, Oh God, I'm so sorry. It, you know, it, it, it's so weird. I feel like something that's been so amazing. I just told my doctor this this week. It's like, I don't know how after all of this, and I'm not just speaking about me, but everybody, like every time there's a letdown, you still are able to find some little glimmer of hope. I mean, some silver lining. And I was just thinking like, what, what if it's okay? Like, what if it could be okay. Like, and just, I think that little bit of hope is the only thing that got me through the weekend without going crazy. And so then on Monday we went back in and yeah, it was confirmed that, that she had, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like bouncing around, but we we had found out before the trip, we went out to an anniversary dinner and we found out that it was a girl because we were like, oh, we heard the heartbeat. We want to know what it is, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, she just confirmed that she she had stopped growing. Um, she was like, I, it's, I think she's, she was like, I think she'd measured at like six weeks and four days or something. And so we left for our trip on at like six weeks and one day. So something happened on the trip. You know, we just don't know what caused it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hard, you know, and so then we start going through at, the, at that appointment when she confirmed that it was no longer a viable pregnancy. I, I, I was in shock, first of all. Yeah. And she leaves the room and I literally went crazy. I'm not kidding. Like I like ripped off the stupid sheet. I like ripped the paper on the thing. I was like, what the hell? You know, I was so I wasn't like screaming at the top of my lungs, but I was like, how the fuck did this happen? Like, of course, of course we're selfish and we went on this trip and this happened, you know, and Aww. then I just start down the the shame spiral. Yep. And but yeah, you wonder, I mean, and we've had conversations with our doctor since then, like, we wonder if it, if I shouldn't have gone on the trip, we wonder if the flying when your blood's already thin and then I'm taking blood centers, did that cause a bunch of bleeding that eventually, so there's just a bunch of stuff that, that you can think about, but you really will never know. 
Right. Uh, And you can't, you just can't beat yourself up about that though, because you will never know. But I know you wrote in your blog, you're like, did I work out too hard? Should we not have had sex? Did I push myself too hard? Should we have skipped our vacation? And that's such a common, those are such common questions, but you just can't, you can't do that to yourself. You know, it's just, yeah, it only just adds to the the pain and what you're going through. Yeah. And so I think we, um, yeah, I mean, we pretty quickly were like, all right, we're never going to be able to sleep at night if we keep blaming ourselves for this. So, so she gave us the the choice of, do you want to go home and just, you know, live life and see if this happens naturally? Do you want to be prescribed the, I forget what the pills are called, the pills of death, literally, and and take those over the weekend and, you know, and see if it'll pass with the medication or do you want to do a DNC? So for, for, uh, for me, I, I was, I I thought to myself, well, if I, if it hasn't bled already, if I haven't been bleeding already and there was all that blood that I saw on the screen, clearly my body's not letting go of it, you know, on its own. And so I wanted to do the pills because I thought at the time, like I'd, I'd rather just be at home and get it, you know, do it that way. I don't want to, I was so tired of having medical procedures at that point. Right. And I was like, if I don't have to, if it's the baby wasn't, you couldn't even you know, it wasn't big enough to where that was necessary, all this stuff. So I took the pills that weekend. So again, that entire week, this was Monday when we found this out, Mm -hmm. I had to go an entire week just waiting (laughs) to take these pills, you know, uh, because I didn't want to take off more work because I just been on a trip. Right. So anyway, that was, it was a really long week and really sucked. And Mm -hmm. I think that was probably the worst part about the entire thing was just knowing that this thing was not living inside of me, um, for that long. Yeah. So yeah, that the pills worked like they were supposed to thank God. And I, I think I went on my follow-up exam, like we confirmed everything was out of there. And cause a lot of times even the pills won't get everything out. Then you have to end up doing it, the procedure anyway, but luckily for me, it, it cleared out. And so that was in October. We took a little bit of time off like a month or so getting, you know, got through Thanksgiving and, and all that. And then we decided we were like, what is going on? Why aren't these, it's very uncommon for a genetically normal high grade embryo to not successfully implant in someone that doesn't show any infertility signs of their own. Mm-hmm. So they wanted to do an ERA, which is a endometrial uh, receptivity analysis. So basically it just tells you, um, it just is a, is a biopsy of your cells that tells if on the day of a hypothetical transfer, if your uterus is its max, it, at its max receptive state. So we did that right before Christmas and my uterus was pre-receptive, which means it wasn't quite ready for an embryo on the day that they would normally transfer one. Okay. So we took that information and used it for our fourth or third transfer, which was in January of this year and didn't work. And sorry, it was okay. And actually it was a weird deal. Like my doctor was out of town and her partner had to do it. And he, he's great. And, he, and uh, he's the one that started their practice that she was at at the time and totally, I mean, capable, just, it's not the same when it's not your doctor. Right. And if I had to give any advice is I was so 
hell bent on doing the transfer because I didn't want to waste any time that I like sacrificed being more comfortable. If that makes sense. Like I would have been more comfortable. I think looking back on it, mm-hmm. having my doctor do it. Right. And that just would have meant, meant delaying it a couple weeks, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that didn't work. And it just, it just, it, the whole day felt weird. And it was just, wasn't the same experience as it was with our doctor and whatever. And then the fourth one <laughs> didn't work either. When was yeah. that? Did you wait a little while? Uh, no, we did that in February. So okay. yeah, it's and that the whole time we've been doing, we had done the same protocol leading up to each transfer, except for one transfer, we tried a more natural cycle. So we weren't giving my body as much drugs and that didn't seem to be the trick either. So here we are um, now and we are gearing up for our second retrieval. We took some time in March because my, um, I had a bachelorette party to go to. We ended up going to California, just Will and I just a lot of my mom's 60th birthday. My brother's married next weekend. Just a lot going on. So we were like, oh, we can afford to take a you know a little bit of a hiatus, and we just need like a little reset. Yeah, and give uh, your body a break from all the meds and all the stress. Oh, and like at this point in February, I was 15 pounds heavier than I was when I started all of IVF. So wow, yeah, that happens. I was not happy with that, and it was like a welcomed break to one because you know be able to to go to the gym and do what I want to do because as you know you're restricted on a lot of your your workout mm-hmm. or what you're able to do like I couldn't do any heated classes I couldn't do super have like super heavy strength training there's just a lot of stuff that I couldn't do anymore right um that I know work for me so I was able to get back into that and then also just like the hormones getting out of your body is just nice yeah <laughs> So it has been a nice little reprieve from Can I ask you too, like, how is this? This is a question I love to ask because it was very hard on my relationship. Like, how are you and Will doing? I would say it's been ups and downs. I mean, um, it's hard to not... When you get into deep conversations about why it's not working or what, you know, what could we have done or, you know... He he takes a lot of the blame on himself mm-hmm. um, because oh. you know because of the the issue that the, yeah. and and it's just you're, it's something he was born with he can't do right that, you know? right but he can't help to go there in his mind sometimes yeah so I would say like that that's hard um, yeah we we have a lot of conversations. I wouldn't say fights about that, but just like, come on, like, we can't do this. We can't go down that road. You Mm -hmm. know, it's just not helpful. It's not productive. It's been a really big strain on our finances We're, I mean, we're blessed enough to have really good jobs where this hasn't like (laughs) made us go broke or anything, but it's, it's very expensive, especially with the testing and all the extra testing we've done and everything. So it's been hard there too. It's just like, um, we've had to really reprioritize our life. We haven't gotten to go, gotten to go on as many trips. I mean, we've just basically had to change our lifestyle in many ways. Uh, so that kind of is a good segue into, uh, what we've done recently for this leading up for this second retrieval. Uh-huh. I was like, listen, Dr. Crawford, please tell us anything we can do within our control. Cause that's one thing we don't have is control over a lot of this. And yep. after going through all that, we know that now. 
But she said, yeah, you know, I think that if you guys no drinking, no, and go to a plant-based diet okay, and try to just get as clean as possible because the cleaner your bodies are, the better the eggs, the better the sperm. And you know, who knows if it, if it even gives you like one more egg or whatever, I mean, it's worth it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. um, I remember thinking like any little edge or, you know, leg up that I can get on anything I will try. Like you just get so desperate at a certain totally. point, like what, and you just want someone to tell you what to do, like, what should I be doing? So I totally get that. Yeah, totally. So it's been, you know, this past, I think it's been six weeks where we've been following the strict diet. We've been saying no to a lot of social plans because it's not that you need to drink to have a good time, but a lot of these social plans are at a winery or at a, you know, it's like right. so not enjoyable when you're not drinking. So, <laughs> right. <clears throat> It's just been a little bit of a lifestyle shift, um, yeah. which I mean, has, has its, it definitely has its benefits for sure. How do you feel? You feel better? Yeah, really good. Yeah. We, okay. um, we went to our appointment or I went to my appointment on Friday morning that was supposed to be like my baseline ultrasound to make sure everything's copracetic to get ready for this retrieval. I was supposed to start my medicine yesterday my stimulation medication. And I went in on Friday and she said, Hey, well, she was just showing me on the screen. She said, do you see this, this big area? She said, that's a big cyst on your right ovary. Mm. And she was like, which isn't super common for you, but obviously it's very common in general. It's not dangerous. It's just stuff that happens. And she said, but we need to do a blood test because if this cyst is producing estrogen, then we can't move forward with the stimulation because we need your, your estrogen levels to be really low. So I was like, seriously? Yeah. Like, one more thing. Thanks. Why not? One more thing. And then, I mean, and you know, with cysts, like they either rupture on their own, they go away on their own or, you know, but it's just a waiting game, which mm-hmm. again, I hate. So, um, she, we did the blood test and she, uh, let me, reached out to me and let me know that she's like, yep, it's producing estrogen. So we're going to have to like start over and regroup. Oh, wow. Um, so I was like, does this mean a whole nother month? And she said, yes, unfortunately it does, but, um, not a whole month. Like science is crazy and awesome. And it's so amazing to me what they can do. So basically what they're going to do with me is on Monday, this coming Monday, they go pick up a trigger shot. Mm-hmm. And they're going to trigger me out of this cycle, so they're going to make me ovulate before I normally would. Okay, so that um, we can, you know, so that we can get it ramped up for our to start again sooner. Mm-hmm. So I think that probably will save us a couple weeks, or mm-hmm. you know, but still, I mean, anything is good, um, right? And just hope that in the meantime, the cyst goes away. So yeah, I mean, that was just a huge letdown, and I, and you know. Allie, for you, I'm sure you've, you can relate just logistically when things don't, you, you have to plan your whole damn life around this cycle. Yep. And then when a wrench is thrown into it, then that means a thousand other things. So for me, I wasn't my, uh, our annual company trip, um, where we kind of go and do, I guess, state of the company deal. And it's also like opportunity to socialize with all the executives we never get to see. Well, that was go, that was the week of my estimated retrieval. Mm-hmm. Well, so I didn't buy a plane ticket. I, I didn't. I, I told my boss I couldn't be part of the presentation for our region because 
I had had to be here for the procedure. Mm-hmm. Well, now I can go. And right. so now my plane ticket's twice the amount. Right. So we have to rework the presentation. And so that's one thing. And then another thing is we were looking forward to this Memorial Day trip down to the Texas coast because it was going to be our first time that we got to actually like have a little fun and party with our friends because mm-hmm. the retrieval was going to be behind us. Now that's not the case. Right. So it's just so many things. It's yeah. Just, it's got a ripple oh. effect. Yes. I'm just like, oh, anyways, sure. so that's where we're at. <laughs> okay. So tell me about this, this blog and fab fertility, which is so amazing. And I was saying to you before we started recording, I so wish that something like this would have been out there when I was going through it, because as I've said before, I was just desperate to connect to people that were going through the same exact thing as me. And it was, even though this was four years ago, there just, there wasn't as much, there weren't as many resources and there was there wasn't as much openness about it. And now, thankfully, especially this week, which was just National Infertility Awareness Week, I feel like there was so much, so many stories and it was like on the news and celebrities were coming out with their own stories, you know, so all that stuff. I really do think there's a movement now with people talking about it more, which is awesome. Um, So tell me when you started this, where in the process were you and what's your goal with it? And like, what kind of feedback have you gotten? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that's awesome. That's question. like 17 I, questions. Sorry. No, I love it. I love so it. When did you start it? Um, so I started it after the miscarriage. I was at such a low point. I had no one in my immediate life to talk to about it that had gone through it, except my mom. My mom had a miscarriage before she got pregnant with me, mm-hmm. but I feel like that happened 32 years ago. So right. not super fresh. So I was just really desperate for support. I mean, I was, I could only talk to my doctor really. My, my husband was there for me, of course, but like he didn't go through it. I mean, mm-hmm. it didn't happen to his body and he's not, he's kind of internalizes things where I am like, just, I just want to talk it out for hours and hours. So we kind of differ in that regard anyway. So I really, it was just an attempt for me to find my own support system. And I, I definitely did. It was so helpful. I like, like you said, like, I'm so, so sad for you that you didn't, it had, didn't have an easy time finding that when you were going through it just four years ago. But mm-hmm. I definitely found a lot of ladies that were going through what I was going through and so much worse. I mean, right. It was the stories that you and I hear. I I just can't even imagine being living through some of them, which really helps with your perspective and really kind of helped me pull out of, I don't, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I was definitely down on myself and my life and Mm -hmm. questioning everything. Like, what is this even meant to be? Am I meant to be a mom? It's all sorts of stuff. Of course. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, it was awesome. It started out as just me sharing my story. And then it was weird because when I put that out there, all sorts of people in my immediate life came to me and were like, I went through this too, Blair. Oh my God. I just got the chills. (laughs) Happens to me at least once every interview (laughs) because I know what you're saying. Like all of a sudden people are like, oh, I had a miscarriage. You're like, what? Why didn't you tell me that? Uh Uh-huh. And it's it's just something that that's what sucks so bad about infertility. And I, and I agree with you that this past week with all of the coverage and everything is just so awesome because it should not be, 
it, it should not have the stigma around it. It's, it's just like, it, it's just part of life. And I think it makes people feel uncomfortable and that's why people don't talk about it, but it, you know, it makes people that aren't going through it feel uncomfortable. Almost like when you're walking to the bathroom with a tampon and someone sees you like, Oh, weird. It's right. like, no. It was like Amy Schumer and her current comedy yeah, yeah. About having like, do you have a tampon? Like it's like this dirty thing. Yeah. It's so crazy to me. But anyway, so I started out as that. And then, you know, I, I started thinking to myself, instead of just coming on here to share my story and like get support from other people, I want to provide support to other people. I have done an insane amount of research um, about everything I've gone through. I, for in one year, I've been through a lot in the infertility realm with, you know, the testing, the, the frozen egg transfers, the retrieval, the miscarriage, the ERA, like I've gone through a lot um, that I can share with people. Mm -hmm. And so I just thought, why not, me make this like kind of my side hustle where I'm helping people. And it's been interesting because I get so many DMs and and comments asking for my advice. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, like, first of all, I'm not a doctor (laughs) or a fertility specialist. Let's just get that clear. But here's like what some emotional support and and, uh, advice I can give you. So it's kind of turned into that. So for me, I wanted to bring a voice to the topic and make it not not so taboo to, to provide education and facts to people. Cause you know, when people think, Oh my gosh, like IVF might be in my future or infertility is something that I think I'm facing. They don't know where to turn. Like they don't know where to go. There's not a lot of resources, like you said, to mm-hmm. go read about it. And so, it's so overwhelming. It's like, where do I even begin? Right. Exactly. So I'm trying, you know, it's a work in progress, but definitely trying to get more organized with that. Like on my feed this, uh, this week I started since I'm starting with the brand new IVF cycle, I thought I would do like a IVF EDU series, like just following my journey all the way through. So it's fresh on my mind. And then, you know, so I'm trying to do that. So, and then also like where I want to go for those listening, like I'm most active on Instagram. I am trying to figure out the, and I mean, I haven't, I'm so bad at Facebook. I feel like my, my year and my freshman year of college was the first year that they gave people Facebook in college outside of Harvard people. Mm -hmm. So I was like super obsessed with Facebook for years and years and years. And now Instagram is my jam. So trying to get back into Facebook. But I, the the thing I'm most excited about is I'm starting a podcast too. Yes. so we'll do a cross pod. Yes, we have to Once I'm, get rolling. Yeah, that would be great. I'm so excited about that. But yeah, just want to share people's stories. Also educate a big part of it being educating people on what specifically IVF looks like mm-hmm. everything from cost to like the toll it takes on your body to just the timeline, all that fun stuff. Right. So yeah. That's kind of what my plan is. So we'll okay. see. We'll see where life takes me. <laughs> yes. So will you, can we keep in, I mean, obviously we'll keep in touch, but can we do a follow-up once you're in the next cycle and let me know what's going on? Yeah, and- no, I would love that. You have organized your blog and everything so nicely so that it's really easy to find stuff and it's a great resource and you've got, you know, you have like food groups to pay attention to and just all this information that you've obviously done a lot of research, just wrapping up. So you're still in the middle, you know, you're still in the middle of this and not sure how it's going to end up. Have you guys discussed other options aside from IVF? Yes. So we, 
first of all, my advice I could give to unmarried ladies, I would, I would make sure that you're whoever you end up with, that you talk about this before you get married Yes, <laughs> to make sure that you have the same family goals because nobody thinks, Oh, what if I can't have my own baby? That's just not something you think about really. Yeah. Uh, my husband and I started dating when we were 16. So we yeah. like, we're like, let's talk about not getting pregnant. Like exactly. for several, several years, like do everything we can to not get pregnant. So exactly. we like opposite. So from the beginning, I, I was like very upfront. I definitely want a family. And he says, me too. I said, okay, but what if that means adopting at some point? Is that something that you're willing to do? Because I don't care. It, I don't care how I, I mean, I care how I become a mother, but if it comes to that point where I can't do it myself, I still value like wanting to be a mother and raising a family enough to where adoption would definitely be an option for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, he's on board with that. I think it's a little scarier for him to, to let his mind go there. (laughs) But, uh, but yes, I mean, we, we would. What about like any other surrogacy or any of that stuff? Have you talked about other things? You know, we have talked about, I think we struggle more with the surrogacy and the donor sperm ideas mm-hmm. than we do with adoption, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. I, I don't think maybe we're not far enough along in the process for that to become a true reality. And maybe when it, if, and when it does, I'll have a differing opinion, but we just have like a really hard time thinking about mm-hmm. me carrying a baby. That's not half my husband or yeah. a, a, somebody else carrying our baby. Like we just, ha- we can't, I don't know. Yeah, no, everybody, every couple is different or every situation is different. So you feel how you feel. You don't have to explain. Yeah. And you it's, know. it's ever changing. Yeah. <laughs> so right. We'll see. Right. All right. Well, you will keep me posted and you and I will keep in touch and I'm sending you all the good baby vibes. Oh, thank you. And um, thank you so much for being so open and telling me all these details and for doing this. Of course. Um, I'm so glad that we met and I know that we're going to like be friends and you'll come to Brooklyn. We'll hang out. Yes. I would love that. I need to get up to New York. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Blair. And um, we will find out what happens next. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed Blair's episode. If you want to find out more about her, go to fabfertility.com. I also want to thank my friends at SoulCycle this week for creating this insanely cool video about me and SoulCycle and my infertility journey and the podcast that they dropped just around Mother's Day and is still on their social media and mine too. So if you haven't seen it yet, go to my Infertile AF Stories social media and I will link it there. Thanks so much, guys. Talk to you next time.